Hometown Ghost Stories contains serious and often distressing events and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Slasher movies in the 1980s started off hot and heavy with Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the Halloween franchise. And people were looking to expand upon that. And that's how we get Friday the 13th. So come along while myself, Dave, and Jesse talk about the first two movies in this long, long series. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another Hometown Ghost Stories Horror Movie Reviews. Very special episode. We're doing something that no one else does. Ever. We're going to review Friday the 13th 1. Friday the 13th 2 on... Friday the the 13th. Wow. Unless unless you're a patron member, you might be getting this a little bit early. But for everybody else, Friday the 13th, Friday the 13th movies. Jesse, how are you feeling about it? I feel left out. I feel sad. I feel lonely and cold that you did not tell me that we were all going to see Friday the 13th at the same time. Okay. Uh, Dave, you didn't tell you me did? either. I just I just picked up on the queue. Can we just do it again? Three, two, one. Friday the 13th. Oh, we really Dave, ruined that. Dave, how are you feeling about it tonight? I feel pretty good. Uh, we kicked off the 80s. I like how we kicked off the 80s with two movies from the 70s. That was interesting. What? In your intro, you said we kicked off slasher movies, kicked off in the 80s with Texas well, Chainsaw they, Massacre they, and Halloween. Well, they <laughs> really hit their stride in the 80s because of Texas Chainsaw Massacre and because of Halloween. And then we just got a slew of them in the 80s, right? We did. We did. Like once once this came out in 19, I believe 1980, the first Friday the 13th dropped. Yeah. And you got one almost every year in the 80s. And we're going to talk about the first two today, but what we're going to be doing is there's another Friday the 13th, everybody, in 2023, and that is in October. So we'll be covering parts three and four on Friday the 13th in October. But that's not what we're here for today. We are here to cover the original Friday the 13th. Let's kick it off with that. I thought you were saying that there's another Friday the 13th movie dropping in October 2023, and I was getting excited. No. Even though it would probably be abysmal. They're doing a series, though. They're doing um, a Camp Crystal Lake series. I don't know if that's coming out this year or next year, but um, they are working on a series for Jason called Camp Crystal Lake. The video game was great. The video game was so so much fun. So good. One of the things where it's like I'm watching these movies and I actually I know I've I've seen them before, but it was like watching brand new movies for me, watching the first one and the second one. Mm -hmm. And the only thing I could do is like, wow. The video game, which wasn't a, a phenomenal game, but one thing that they did so well, so good, it was a phenomenal game. They did game. so well was was make this look exactly. They really did. Like Camp like Camp Camp Crystal Lake. Yeah, yeah. They that's, modeled that's it phenomenal after different scenes. Like so, like Pakanak is the second movie. They have that entire house laid out, inch by inch. You go through that exact house in that map. That was a. Yeah, I love the Friday the 13th games, but let's talk about the first movie. Dave, do you have a synopsis, synopsis, slash, slash synopsis for us? Slash synopsis, yes. that's, that's the way to a go. Slash synopsis, that's a good one. Yes, I do. Friday the 13th, 1980, directed by Sean S. Cunningham. Crystal Lake's history of murder doesn't deter counselors from setting up a summer camp in the woodsy area. 
Superstitious locals warn against it, but the fresh-faced young people pay little heed to the old-timers. Then, they find themselves stalked by a brutal killer. As they're slashed, shot, and stabbed, the counselors struggle to stay alive against a merciless opponent. There's a death curse! There's oh, a death man. curse! <laughs> Best character in the movie right there. Uh, uh, yeah, we'll talk yeah. about Ralph in a bit, but yeah. Ralph. So what are, you, what are your initial thoughts on Friday the 13th, Jesse? I was surprised Kevin Bacon was in it. That <laughs> was, my oh, first, yeah? was my first shock. Uh, I loved I loved every second of this movie. I thought it was phenomenal. I thought the music behind it was so perfect. It was so crisp for 1980 and scored so perfectly with every single scene. The, the one thing that stood out to me the most was was the music. And yeah. I, I loved it. That was great. Sorry to finish. That was pretty cool. Yeah, which that's not the actual things. It's Kiki ki ma 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 is like kill mom or something like that is oh is that really i actually didn't know yeah. that that's, that's, yeah. that's pretty good yeah um this is my, the 1980 friday the 13th the original is my favorite of all the 80s slashers and it's rob you and i have argued back and forth about this before a couple times we mm. here and there we've gone back and forth about whether this one or halloween's better uh, I think it's no contest between this and Halloween. I think the you know the kills are better. The story is better. The, the story has more depth. There has more. The twist is better. There's no twist in Halloween, but it's just Halloween is just you know Halloween is what it is. It's a great movie, but I think it's massively overrated. We're not talking about that movie, but we're talking about this one. And I really thought that the depth of the plot in this was a lot better when I first watched this movie. It was obviously I was not in 1980 when it came out because I am not that old. So when I saw this, I think it was probably in the mid '90s, and it was at camp, the camp that I, the summer camp that I would went to. We used to do these sleepover things, and all the kids, like the other kids, were like raving about, like, "Oh, we're gonna watch Friday the Thirteenth. We're gonna watch Jason. We're gonna watch Jason movies." Everyone knew Jason, Hockey Mask, Friday the Thirteenth, hmm. and they're all lying, saying that, "Well, we saw this movie," and like I just whatever. I went along with it. I hadn't seen it, but I was like, "Let's watch this movie," and there really are like three perspectives to watch this movie from and each one is so different the first one neither of us experienced it was going into friday the 13th blind not knowing what's going to happen when this mm -hmm. movie came out in 1980 they didn't know nobody knew that it was going to be about jason or it was going to be or what to expect so that they they went and they got that experience blind the second one is what i went through i went through watched it for the first time expecting it to be a jason slasher jason hockey mask and getting what we got. And then the third perspective to watch this movie from is re-watching it, knowing how it ends and watching the POV of the killer and everybody react to it. It's like a whole different experience of watching the movie when you know how it ends. And it's not like, like oh, this I've already seen this, who cares? It's, it's like watching a different movie. And that's why there's so many layers to why this movie is so great for that reason. Hmm. Um, I agree with a lot of that there's problems that I have with it from that aspect in general. There's certain things that I, that I love about this movie. There's certain things that I dislike about this movie. The music it's iconic at this point. Mm -hmm. It's just like, it is one of the most iconic tracks in all of horror. You play that music. Everyone knows what it is. Like you hear that, that sound people know that sound it's been put in, popular culture and it's not going to go away it's going to stay they haven't made a new friday the 13th movie to the point that you brought up i think in 15 years now 
mm. 14 or 15 years. It was like 2008, 2009 that the, the remake came out. There's been a lot of problems with rights and stuff to the franchise, so they haven't been able to put another one out. But even so, you go to someone that's probably 15 or 16 years old, and you do the ch and they're going to know what it is. They know that that's Friday the 13th. They know that that's Jason. I went into it the same way that you that you brought up, Dave, where I think my very first experience with a Friday the 13th movie, if I recall, I was like five years old. It was a Friday the 13th. I'm flipping through the channels because you used to change through the channels when you were younger because, you know, TV was a lot different. You weren't streaming. And I saw they were, there was the uncle and the niece in a boat. And this is from Friday the 13th, part eight. Okay. I think it's part eight. It's when Jason takes Manhattan and he throws her in the water to start, um, to teach her how to swim. And it shows like young Jason pull her under the water. And that was frightening to me. Like it was like one of the most frightening moments of like watching horror movies as a kid. And then you learn who Jason Voorhees is. And then I go through and I watch the first movie years and years later. And you're like, where's Jason? Where's the hockey mask? Where's what I know from this franchise? And you're just hit with this loop. And it's like refreshing almost that you're not getting that as much as I love that. And we'll be talking about those movies you know, over the course of the next few years on Friday the 13th, the first movie, it just, it subverts expectations and not even just in the way that it originally set out to, but because like you said, it's, you know, go back to scream, the original scream movie. They're playing the game. It's like, Hey, is anyone in my game? And they do the whole, who's the original killer in Friday the 13th. And the person gets it wrong because everyone gets it. Not everyone, but a lot of people get it wrong. They're, they're like, it's Jason Voorhees. He goes, no, it was his mother in the first movie. And um, that twist has been taken away from a lot of people. A lot of people know that now. But just in your head, it's always about Jason. It's always about the hockey mask. And uh, one that's, of those components isn't in the first and one's not in the second. Yeah, so that's what really hooked me when I first saw that at that that initial experience at that summer camp everyone that I was all the other kids who had pretended that they've seen it just to look cool. Mm -hmm. We were all blown away at the ending when it wasn't Jason. We're like, what? Jason's not the, there's no Jason. How is there no Jason? And we're just so, I was blown away. And then that, like that last scene where he jumps out of the water, I was just like, this is the coolest movie. And I don't think I'd really seen any slashers before that. At that point, um, I wasn't as early to the horror game as you were, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. But like, I just remember being like, it was like, this is awesome. And like, how is anyone going to top that? And I just remember, I just never got that feeling with Halloween. I never got that feeling with Nightmare on Elm Street, although I love Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, I would debate whether or not you consider that a slasher. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street? Yeah, it's, it's that psychological reason going through the dream. I, I love the movie, don't get me wrong. It's one we'll of my we'll talk about tops, it sometime because it's, yeah. it's one of my tops from the 80s. So yeah, I'm not we'll saying it's not, but later. yeah, another time. But uh, that's but that's why I like I think Friday the 13th is just the goat for 80s slashers. And it kicked off, you know, the 70s was good for horror movies. I like the 70s. The 80s is has some of the best horror mm -hmm. movies ever yep. made. It's debatably my favorite. And the only reason I might not put it at number one is because it also had a lot of horrible horror movies. But um, there's just uh, some of the heavy hitters in the 80s that was kicked off with, you know, Friday the 13th, not even just slashers, like The Thing, The Fly, Cannibal Holocaust, like just banger movies. 
from the 80s that are just that you know movies nowadays they don't hit the same as you know the 80s ones did and this was really the start of it all right let's just it was just so shocking in the first one for viewers to see it at that time and just the way that they went about it and we had mentioned that there was other ones we also mentioned comparisons between halloween i think i agree with you dave where it's like this one had a storyline and the storyline made sense where you have obviously it ends up being the mother who's the killer spoiler alert. by the way we're spoiling the movie so if you haven't seen that <laughs> by now you realize that we've spoiled it and we're going to spoil the second one as well so sorry we'll put it in the youtube description that there's going to be some spoilers but um as is all of our horror movie reviews but with this one it was like you didn't expect it to be an old nice looking woman the second i saw her get out of the the car and Obviously, I, I know the story of this movie anyway, so it didn't shock me at all. But you knew something was up when she was when she wasn't worried about going in to go take a look at a dead body, right? And and then for it to kind of take that twist, and then it, it kind of had a happy ending, and I was like, oh, okay, well, whatever, it's fine. But as soon as they went back to her waving at the police, I knew something bad was going to happen. And then of course, Jason jumps out of the water. It gets him. You didn't get too much monster with him. You didn't really see him. You kind of see like some somewhat of like seaweed on his head, a little bit of uh, um, what's the guy, old Greg? <laughs> he comes out of the pond like old Greg, <laughs> which yeah. is cool. Uh, just over overall, such a good movie, and and for it to be shot in the eighties and be as good as it was with with as many good kills as it was. Also, the acting was was pretty damn good uh, for what they were working with. They only had like a half a million dollar budget to shoot this movie. But you're shooting it in the woods. You don't really need special effects or anything. So it was it was kind of perfect. It was just a perfect slasher movie. Well, they also get Tom Savini at the beginning of his career too, right? Who is one of the best special effects makeup artists that there is. Mm -hmm. And not all of that holds up when you watch it on like some of the high def stuff. Um, particularly one of the best kills, which is Kevin Bacon. If you're watching on like a really high def thing, you can you can see what they did to do that illusion. But you can't look at it through that lens. They didn't know what TV was going to be like in 40 years. You got to think of it on like this grainy, you know, screen or grainy theater and you would never catch it. And that I didn't spot. catch it. I, I thought it was it. good in spite of in, in spite of that, because uh, I remember that one from when I had originally seen it was like, oh, my God, how do they do that? Yeah. And then like you can, you can kind of figure it out now, but it's still I think it still holds up like I like I love practical effects and this one had some great ones. Yeah, yeah so the only one that the only the only kill in the movie that I was like that needed a little more was actually at the end when she got her head chopped off. There just wasn't nearly enough blood, not even close. So, but other than that, it was it was still shot well. The slow motion at the time was was really framey, and but that's just it's it's, it's a nineteen eighties movie. What are you what are you gonna what are you gonna do? I don't yeah. take any points away for any of that. Just a little bit more blood at the end would have been would have been. Would have talked about just nice 1980s movie, but that was all 1970s tricks and yeah, and right. whatnot, because that was the very beginning of this decade. So to go back to that Kevin Bacon kill, Jesse, next time you watch this, if you look at his neck, you can see that the neck is a different color completely than the rest of his face. So you can see that it's a basically a you know, like a dummy body from the neck down. Uh, and he okay. just has his face poking up through the bed i was wondering i'm like how is he still making movies if he got stabbed through the neck yeah it's, <laughs> man. it's unbelievable. good job tom savini yeah. great job um let's talk is there any other kills that stand out to you guys in this movie that you the, want to the talk girl about? with the the girl with the axe in her face i thought was good it was kind of like it was a cutaway and then but they cut back to it but it was like it looked it looked good for the time i was like that was it was oof. so good Brutal. yeah because it was just boom just sticking out the side of her face that was very good there's another one similar to that in the second movie that we'll get into also yep. that I thought was great. Um, 
I thought that the scene where she's the the girl that's the hitchhiker trying to get to the camp. So she goes into town. She talks to people in in town. That's where we meet, you know, crazy Ralph the first time. But she gets in the truck with this guy who's going to drop her off close to the place. And that's where you get your exposition for what happened. And we talk about like we hate exposition dumps, like when they just don't make sense. Mm -hmm. This made sense. Like he's like in the truck with her. They're having a conversation about what happened at the camp. It felt natural but you're still getting the exposition of what they want you to know about the background of the thing. It was fine. So, so it was more of like a warning. So I, I had no problems with that. I yeah. thought overall, I mean, you understand why this scene was a little bit more drawn up than it should be. Her hitching, her hitchhiking a ride, just to not even make it and just get killed. Right. Yep. By the way, her character, very likable, just real bubbly and happy and yep. permanent smile on her face. I was like, if she ends up being the main character, this is going to be cool. If she ends up being the final girl, she's perfect for it. And nope, didn't even make it. Nope, not at all. Um, do you have any gripes? We've kind of hit on a lot of the positives. Does anyone have any gripes on this, or is it just me that has some issues with this movie? It's got, I think that, uh, and I have no idea what your gripes are about this one, but I mean, it's got expected 1980s things here and there that are like little imperfections that make a movie perfect. You know, it's like, like just for that era, Quentin Tarantino talked about it with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He's like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original one, is a perfect movie. And he's like, and it's not perfect in spite of the little imperfections here and there. It's perfect because of them. And that's what makes mm -hmm. that movie, you know, perfect. And that's what well, he put it really well. And he knows a lot more about this shit than I do. But I feel like it's the, you can make the same argument for this movie, like the little imperfections that just make it feel like an 80s slasher, you know? One more positive before you guys jump in any any negatives you have about the movie. Mm -hmm. um, the one thing that I like about this slasher movie, because it's a reoccurring theme in a bunch of slasher movies, right? As soon as people start to have sex, that's when they get killed. In this movie, they put a reason behind it. And I don't know if you caught it, but the mother, yeah. she was saying when she was yelling at the girl, she starts blaming her for everything that happened to Jason. She's like, you stopped watching my son when he was swimming because or the counselors were off making love to each other and they were off having sex basically. So now it's like every time that the killer sees someone getting intimate, that's when they get killed. And you see this with all different horror movies, right? As soon as they start having sex, that's when they get murdered. Mm -hmm. With this one, it makes sense. There's a reason behind it. And yes. I love that. Yeah. yeah I agree. She's projecting past um, counselors actions on all the new counselors. And when mm -hmm. she sees them, it triggers it even harder. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's well done um, in that aspect. One of my two big gripes with this movie is it's set up like a like a murder mystery almost, like a slasher murder mystery of who the killer is. And but they never reveal Pamela Voorhees until you know that she's basically the killer like two minutes beforehand. I feel like there should have been some sort of scene with her earlier in the movie, even it's when if it's with the hitchhiker in the diner and they just have like some quick interaction or something. They should have set Pamela up a little more. They set it up with crazy Ralph thinking that like, maybe he's the guy or, you know, like he's, he's the red herring of the movie. Like maybe it's him doing it or, you know, there could be someone else or one of the counselors themselves. They never set her up. So you're never guessing it's her because you don't even know she exists until two minutes before she's revealed as the killer. So 
I to me, actually, I was actually fine with it. But before we get off the subject of the crazy guy on the bicycle, he was awesome. And the fact that for whatever the fuck reason, he's just standing in a dark closet. <laughs> he opens the door and he's just standing there waiting to tell them like, you're doomed. Yeah. Why are you standing in, the in pantry. a dark closet <laughs> or a pantry or whatever? Uh, we'll get more that actually later. comes back in the same I know. Movie. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk awesome. about it. Yeah, which is so, uh, Walt, Walt Gordy who played Crazy Ralph. That's how he's listening on on IMDb is just Crazy Ralph. Yep, I think the acting for Crazy Ralph and Pamela Voorhees it really what I caught from it. I'm not going to say it's bad, but what I'm going to say is you can tell that they were actors from like the 40s and 50s in that era because there's just a certain style associated with actors from then and when they ham things up, it's just so over the top. Right. And I thought that uh, Betsy Palmer, who plays Pamela Voorhees does it a little bit. She's not as bad as like crazy Ralph and his character is obviously supposed to be that type of way, but you well, see it's supposed to be that type of way. Right. So with Mrs. Voorhees or Betsy Palmer, her look is nice. Grandma, right. Harmless. Mm-hmm. It's just an old lady. Nothing to be worried about. But her demeanor at that point in the movie is she's been going around killing a bunch of people because she's having a mental breakdown. So I was kind of fine with her over the top performance because this is what this is the moment that she's in. Right. If she was in the like, like you said, like maybe they met the diner or something like that. If she was in the diner and overacting in that way, I'd been like, why why is this lady acting like this? Mm -hmm. But for me, I think it fits. I think it fits because she's supposed to be in the midst of a mental breakdown, often murdering camp counselors because they're having sex with each other. I wasn't complaining about it, um, but what I'm saying is it's just so of its time. Like you can tell these actors that were that were doing this in the 40s, 50s, 60s, because to me, there is a there's almost like a line in cinema history where everything from 1970 to current is like way different than everything that came before. There was like a real aesthetic and, you know, like. To you're everything not wrong about before that, yeah. the 70s. And it's like you're watching a play. Right. It perfectly put. It's almost like you're watching a play a lot of the times. Now there's gems through like you know, there's really good movies before 1970. I'm not saying that or anything like that. I'm just saying it's almost like a dividing line. When, the style of acting changes for sure. So you did mm-hmm. have that line between the era that you're talking about and like the 1980s, 1970s, whatever. There's also a massive gap between the 1980s and now roughly 40 years. So, <laughs> sorry. Uh, but there's also like a, another line that's drawn between that acting. Even if you watch this and you watch this movie knowing it's 1980s, you you watch it knowing what the time was like, but the way that these people talk while they're acting is different than actors now. If you take any one of their acting performances and plug it into a today's movie, you'd be like, why is this person talking like they're talking to a toddler? I don't want to go there, Jason. Yeah, it's like, like nobody talks like this now. But oh, this come on, Beth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It'll be fun. <laughs> so, times change, acting changes, but I, I could agree with those older actors. Yeah, you definitely saw a difference in, in performance than the other guys. You get that yeah. overlap. I don't hate it. Feeds into the nostalgia for the movie a little bit for me. All right, so my second big critique of this movie is I think the actress is fine, but I don't think they set up the final girl well in the first movie. I don't think they give her enough character depth. I don't think they give us a real rooting interest for her. And I know it's like a short runtime with an hour and a half, but I it's something that I think they do well in the second movie, which we'll get into. I just, I don't 
think that Alice is a great final girl. Person. Yeah, it's kind of like they just kind of picked one like, oh, she's left over. Forgot to kill yeah. her. She's a final girl. I can she you. wasn't engaging in nefarious sexual activities, right? So I mean, she wasn't, gonna, but like... They were going to kill her anyways, so... I think that was maybe... It wasn't implied that that was the only reason she was killing everybody, but it was mm. definitely one of the reasons. And it was mm. just... I mean, she was yelling at her for all the reasons. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just, you're a camp counselor. You're guilty by association, basically. So I just... I wish they set her character up a little more, and it doesn't take much more to do it. Um, there's the scene where they are out on the dock. They could have established her a little more there without changing the scene too much. There's a few other scenes throughout that they could have done that. But those were those are like my nitpicks. Like I just I wish we had a stronger final girl for the first movie. Um that that I mean it's not she's not terrible, she's not a terrible actress. It was she was fine in the role, she was fine with what she was given. I just wish they gave her a little more so that we were like we're rooting for Alice a little more towards the end than than we were, you know, because Pamela Voorhees comes on and she's a strong character immediately. You're like captivated by Mrs. Voorhees and why she's there. And it's tough to play against. But if it's someone that you've been rooting for the entire movie, it makes it a little bit easier. True. True. Uh, Let's hop into some ratings. Wait, wait. One more thing. The snake scene. Did you do you guys know the history behind the snake scene on this movie? No. Was there actually a snake? Oh, yeah. It was a real snake. And they really cut it off and cut its head off on the like, that's all legit. That was such and, an 80s thing to do. And the animal, like Wrangler, almost killed the director. Like, it, as soon as he did, I mean, and fair. Yeah, Completely of fair. Wait, like, so they, they, okay. I thought it was like a real snake. They're like, oh my God, there's a snake here. Mm-hmm. We should kill it. Might as well turn the cameras on. I thought that, that was how I understood this. So oh, they, I gotcha. Did they hire a guy mm-hmm. to bring a snake and then yep. they killed it? Yeah. A psycho. I am on the side of the Wrangler guy. That was his his pet and his job. Yeah. And yeah. you had the nerve to bring him on set. And, could you imagine if like, you know, when you're at like the, the fair and someone's like walking around with like an iguana so you can take mm-hmm. pictures with it. Could you imagine if it was like, yeah, I'll take a picture with it. Here's five bucks. Thank you. Here's a picture. And then you just throw it on the ground and chop its head off. Yeah. Hey, well, what did I hire you for? Obviously, <laughs> I'm going to kill it at the end of our production. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, it's insanity. Like, like you're, and again, but you're Sean Cunningham at the no time. Human, no, no one knows. Being, no human being should do this to another. Shooting, <laughs> shooting a B movie. Like, who? How do you have the balls to do this? Like, shame on you for that. Like, that's director you know, for Cannibal Holocaust. Killed a lot of animals. Not yeah, a good guy. Nah. Not a good guy. Think did some prison time over it too. Good. Um, do we want to give some ratings now? Sorry to interrupt that, but I, yes. I wanted to get that story out. Uh, Dave, what do you what do you give in this movie? It's a five. Okay, Jesse, it's a five. Why are you shocked? It's awesome. I just said it's my favorite slasher. That's I guess true. I, how I guess do I right. how do I say that and then not you know what I mean? I gave the new Scream a four nine. Like I can't. <laughs> it's just a five. I mean, I love it's it set the. Uh, it set the tone for me for slashers. It was the first real one I saw. I loved it, and nothing that I've seen since has really lived up to it. I'm giving it a 3.8. I think it's definitely worth watching. I think it's a good movie. I think it has flaws, and I, I think it's a classic, but I, I don't think it's perfect by any means, and I think there's a lot they could have done to improve it. 
I think your uh, rating doesn't match your review. Everything you just said about it and the, the negative things that you had were so minor. I don't think they're minor. They are. I don't, th I don't think they're that minor. We here at Hometown Ghost Stories Horror Movie Reviews don't fully endorse Rob's opinions on his rating for Friday the 13th, and we hereby amend his score. Rob gives it a 4.6. It's a 3.8. Your gripes three eight. were that you thought, in, in both your gripes, you said they weren't like a big deal. It wasn't like a bad acting something. He said like the, the, the final girl could have been written so she was a little bit more likable, and that the uh, the Pamela... Not Pamela, you're, Mrs. You're Voorhees... You're not going to change Rob's score. We just have to accept Mrs. it. And we have Voorhees, to move on to the next movie. Well, I just want to make my point: is that you, <laughs> you said that Mrs. Voorhees could have been integrated into the story earlier, so that it was more of a "oh, it's her" situation. This isn't a mystery movie. They they kind of laid it out like they that. played it like a mystery movie. Like they don't have to get this? upset. Relax. It's, it's a, just my opinion. You're the one getting upset. You're the one who's trying to change my score. I am calm, on here. cool, and collected. You are having this, a temper tantrum. <laughs> no, this is classic Dave. This is classic gaslighting by Dave. Super gaslighter. I'm just not even know what that word means. <laughs> it is actually a very much gaslighting tactic for me to say. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm being calm, and you're the one getting all mad. <laughs> Yeah, this, uh, is, no. this isn't Dave's opinion. This is Dave's opinion on Rob's opinion. Yeah. They they do the point of view the whole movie. So it's like when you do a point of view, it's like, oh, whose point of view is this? Who is this person? Like they're they're trying to tell you like, you need to know. You're going to have to figure out who this killer is. But you never showed me who it was. I think it's a big point. Like I think that they could have, I mean, I it think... could have easily been fixed. Let me finish my fucking point. Thanks. All right, because I'm sick of this shit on the, on every single movie review where one of you jump in and start talking over me while I'm doing this. And the other thing that I Step brought up. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> God. So I think it is a big deal. And I think character development is gigantic. Like if your character is not written perfectly or, or like really, really well, then that's a flaw in the movie. It's like it's a big enough deal to knock the score down. Like I'm not giving it a fucking one. I'm giving it a three eight. It's still very much worth well, watching. Enough, but we're talking about like slashers here where there's never any character development with anybody. That's not they just true kill at all. They we're going to talk everyone. about the next movie where the character development for the final girls is great. Right. So like but, uh, now I got to go back and find another slasher where you ranked it higher where they didn't do very much character development on the final girl. Now I got to do my homework. Thanks a lot. You should have rated it higher. We wouldn't be having this conversation. Robert. What did you it's rate? What did you rate Terrifier one? Because uh, there was no character development in that movie. Mm -hmm. Zero character development. Yep. Well, thank you for <laughs> anyways finding an example because I would have had to listen to all of them and you just immediately brought it up and Rob is wrong. We hereby at Hometown Ghost Stories. It's Rob's not the only problem. Six moving on. So five, five and a 4.6. It's, it's a three, eight. It's a three, eight. It's a three, eight for Rob, for Ron yeah. Coakley. All right. Let's. <laughs> <laughs> for Ron Coakley. Very good, sir. All right. Lynn, do you want to hit us with a synopsis for? Slash synopsis. Slash synopsis. Thank you. Slash synopsis. Number two. For Friday the 13th, part two. 1981, directed by Steve Miner. The second entry in the long-running horror series focuses on a group of teenage would-be counselors converging on Camp Crystal Lake for training under the tutelage of head counselor Paul. Inevitably, Paul relates the story of Jason Voorhees, a boy who drowned at the camp and whose mother murdered a group of counselors in revenge. No one takes the tale seriously until a very much alive Jason begins gruesomely eliminating people. So we just reviewed the 
first Friday the 13th movie. And now we're going to review the first Friday the 13th movie. <laughs> <laughs> actually such a great way to put it, to be honest. I thought you were really going to go from one to two there. And I was just be like, this is yeah. the most obvious point you've ever brought up. Yeah. No, but this is, this is, so when I. Breaking news. <laughs> after one. So when we all, we were all from the same generation, we all watched um, the first Friday the 13th movie from the perspective that it was going to be a Jason Voorhees hockey mask slasher movie. And we didn't get that. So it was a shocker whether you liked it one way or another. It was still a shocking thing. This time we get Friday the 13th with your Jason, who is the serial, you know, the, the serial slasher. No hockey mask yet, but we're still, this is the first time we're getting a, a, a POV slasher movie with Jason as the killer. So for me, this movie was just as fun as the first one. And it was, in a lot of ways, very much like the first one. And in a lot of ways, it was different. You're right. So whether you thought it was a perfect, whether you thought the first one was a perfect horror movie or whether you thought it was a 4.6 like Rob did, it started off with a bang. I, I thought it was really good. So you start off with the same character, the, the final girl from the first movie, Alice, and Jason just comes in and kills her off right away. Fantastic. Temple, a uh, screwdriver or, or ice pick or something right through the temple. Loved it. Just it's actually one of my notes. Yeah. I, I love that they immediately just killed off that storyline and we're like, okay, we're getting something fresh. Mm-hmm. And then you yeah, get that, that kill was, was like maybe cringe, like in a good way. It was just like, mm. oh, <laughs> that maybe right in. Oof. I actually wrote on my notes, Alice's death is brutal. Like, on, like, oh my, because it's, it's really brutal. Um, I want to stick with this opening part before you start jumping into other yep. things on the movie. And one of my, I, I, lo- I actually like this movie a lot. Um, I have a problem with the opening of this movie because there is literally a six-minute recap of the first movie. I that was timed it. I'm sitting like, so, why are they doing this? It's like when you go to watch like Game of Thrones week after week or whatever show you like, and they do this five to six minute recap, and you're just like, I literally just watched this. <laughs> I don't need to know what happened last week. I understand. And then like they go, it, it just it was too much. It was just much too much. I know cinema's different at that time. It wasn't as easy to, to see movies if you didn't see them in the theater and stuff like that. But six minutes is just come on, guys. On a movie that's like in at the runtime, I actually wrote down the runtime on this as well. And the runtime is an hour 27. So we're talking about six minutes of an hour 27 movie mm-hmm. dedicated to recapping the first movie. It's too much. It was too hour, much. Hour 26, right. including the end credits. Yeah. Right. So when you're talking about recapping the movie, not a huge deal, a, a huge deal. And they could have pulled it off the way that they did it, which was they were they were doing it as a nightmare, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's going back and forth. But the fact that it lasted six minutes made this even more cringy to watch because as they're going back and forth, you have to deal with her like panicked borderline like sex noises in between this thing, which is just, oh, mm. oh, just having her like nightmare for six minutes straight. You're just going back and forth and back and forth from her just rolling around in her bed, having a nightmare with the lights on, by the way. It's just so stupid the way that they started this. I agree with you, Rob. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't necessary at all. They didn't have to do it. Didn't need no. the nightmare sequence. Didn't need definitely didn't need the recap one year later. Like it's right. every everyone seeing this movie saw the first one. Like the whole point of making the movie was for the people who loved the first one. 
Also, just real quick, while we're still talking about her, while we're still talking about the timeline. So this was only one year later, right? Um, Technically, well, when they're at the camp, it's five years later. I meant one year later from the perspective of the people who made the movie. Right. 1981, 1980 to 1981. They released it. Like, there's a year in between these two movies. I don't need the recap. Okay, because I was a little bit curious about how Jason went from being a child in the pond to a grown man. But I guess I can... Well, they, so there's, so it's a whole thing with the movie franchise because this gets talked about all the time. Basically, I like to think that she was dreaming when he jumped out of the water and he was still a kid. Like that was like a dream situation. And I like to think that the second movie, Jason actually never died when he drowned. He's just been living in the woods in the shack before he becomes this immortal being in later movies. Like he's still sort of alive here what do you think about this theory on the first one that he never drowned and he was helping his mother kill all the people that could be maybe that's why because this was actually one of my things in the first one i didn't really bring it up but a lot of times as soon as people see her from the pov screen Mm -hmm. they're immediately terrified Mm -mm. now mind you she could have had a weapon and that would lead them to be like oh my god this crazy lady's coming at me there are two pov situations where the killer is confronted by the victim and their their reactions are always either oh hey what are you doing here mm-hmm. for one or oh. terror and the terror ones are always right before they get killed so she's either holding an axe or a knife in those and the other or. ones where they're out by the jeep where he's like oh hey what are you doing here or hey yeah. you know stuff like that she's not so that is the Right, or it could be maybe they aren't. Maybe a weapon isn't completely obvious, and maybe it is this terrifying-looking Jason, old Greg swamp creature. Maybe that's why they're scared initially. I think it's her, and I don't think she's alive. I think she knows that he's alive type of deal. Hmm. There's actually no... They just... There's no rhyme or reason. There's no right answer to this because they just wrote whatever they wanted to write, basically. So it's up to your own interpretation. No one's right or wrong here because... They didn't do a good job coherently telling the story, to be completely honest. So um, I think that's the way I go with it, where he's still alive here. That's why he runs. We don't they're working with a blank slate on Jason, too, here in this movie, because we're not none of the lore is established. The hockey mass isn't established. The walking isn't established. None of that, like the movements. Hell, you don't get Kane hotter till the sixth movie when and that's the version of Jason that everybody resonates with the most is from the sixth movie on for the most part. So you got a complete blank slate. You got the bag head. So it's, it's a regular person with a little bit of more muscle basically for Jason in this movie. Right. And you've seen a few of the fist fights, but I did, he did strike me as like kind of a unkillable supernatural kind of being for two aspects. Number one is you could be right about from the pond where maybe that was a dream Mm -hmm. and she got pulled in and the police obviously never found anybody. If it wasn't a dream, he was already a supernatural unkillable being anyways, right? I was in the middle of that pond. Maybe maybe you could stand up. It's a pond, but the way I took it, and mind you, I watched these movies potentially for the first time ever. I know I've seen pieces of them, Mm -hmm. but this was, this week was the first time I've really seen these movies. And to me, at the end of the first movie, it struck me that he was like a supernatural kind of being where it, it was, is he some sort of ghostly entity or is he just like a, a monster of some sort? 
where you can't be killed or you can survive in elements that other people can't, which is underwater for a long period of time. He's old Greg. So that was kind of what I gathered there. And then you get it at the end of this movie as well, when he gets the machete like through his shoulder or whatever, deep cut that would kill anybody. And he is fine to just continue his attacking after that. Yeah, I think that you got a little bit, a little bit of possible supernatural aspects in this one. Uh, the, the machete one's got to be, got to be super. You you don't just fucking get a machete through half your body and walk it off. Yeah, no, I'm agreeing with you. Right? I'm getting a little bit of it. What I'm saying is, like, as the movie, like, more we get further, further into the series, he becomes more and more supernatural, mm-hmm. much yeah. like Michael Myers. Right. Exactly. That's a good point too. Um, I like the cast of this movie a lot. Um, the cast of the first movie is fine, but I think that this might be one of the best like ensemble cast that they've done for a Friday the 13th movie. And there's some that I might like a little more when we get to them than, than this one. But this is, this is still one of my favorite Friday the 13th movies that that was made because I think it, it doesn't have everything that you're thinking of, but it, it really hits the notes and it hits them well for the most part. It hits the kills well. The cast is really well done. Your characters, almost all your characters here are likable to a degree other than save one, maybe two. Yeah, and, one, the one that they killed off right away. <laughs> um, the yeah, guy... Terry's boyfriend, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Well, no, it wasn't her the, boyfriend, but yeah. The, <laughs> the creepy yeah, the guy. Creepy, the creepy, yeah. rich-looking kid that got strung up by his ankles. Yeah, They had the most 80s scene I've ever seen where he shoots her butt with the slingshot and she turns around and she just does the head tilt like the oh come on what are you doing man why are you hitting me with the slingshot and he just gives the smile and you're just like i've seen this in every 80s movie without he seeing this so in every 80s movie creepy the way he just came out of the from behind the bushes with his slingshot like yeah just, i am the guilty party oh god he was yeah. so corny yeah he was like the least likable and yeah kill him first and they kill them right away so it's like perfectly done right like that's what you want if you're gonna kill anyone off but everyone else for the most part i think are really likable characters um they take the chance with the with the paraplegic in the wheelchair like you don't see that too often in a slasher movie i enjoyed texas chainsaw texas chainsaw i i enjoyed that aspect of it um the fact that in his death they were able to shoot that scene and not mm-hmm. make it look like the O.J. Simpson scene where he was in a wheelchair, like rolling down all those stairs <laughs> from the airplane. <laughs> or was that uh, naked, naked gun? gun. Yeah. Naked gun, I think. Yeah, it, it was like, like the fact that they were to pull that off and and not make it look like that scene and and still have it be scary was was pretty damn well done. That's such a good point. Yeah. <laughs> No, it, oh, that I was mean, a great it, kill too. That was the one I was talking about in the last one, where uh, where I was like, "There's another one, the second one that we'll talk about, where he got that machete right, right through the yep. face at the angle, and it was just the way that they shot it was. Uh, I thought it was really good. It was shocking. Yeah. I thought a lot of the the kills in this were done really well. Um, the creepy guy, like the, I mean, it was just a simple, um, you know, throat slash, but it but it was very visceral and like really well done on that the the bed scene where the two get stabbed with like the spear through the yep. bed really great scene uh interesting fact about that couple uh so the girl um 
with fake Kevin Bacon. That's all I could think of was like they were just trying to recreate the Kevin Bacon character. Um, So the girl that was with fake Kevin Bacon was supposed to have a nude scene in this movie. But after they filmed it and after they were editing the movie, they found out she lied about her age. She was 16. 16 when she filmed this movie. Yikes. So crimes were committed. So they had to cut it, of course. Um, good thing they did. Good thing they found out, right? Like, because that would have yeah, been. Yeah, but you, there's yeah, got to be, without jumping movie, too much right? into it, but there's got to be crimes that were committed by filming that at all, right? So we won't we'll, we won't dive further into the logistics of that. But yeah, but yeah, I, I'm going to guess the laws were a little bit looser back in the early 80s. But maybe. yeah. You know what else was interesting that they got away with that I noticed was uh, what was it, <clears throat> Kristen Baker? So her scene, she's kind of wearing that like cut off Mickey Mouse shirt. Yeah, how'd you get away with wearing a Mickey Mouse shirt in a blockbuster movie? Mm, yeah, how did how did Disney not jump all over that? So Maybe this mouse, was Mouse wasn't as uh, ruthless and Sue happy back then as he is now. I actually wrote this down as well, like how trademarks like weren't as big a deal in the 80s. And you see this in other movies. If you go watch Maximum Overdrive, which is like the most psychotic Stephen King movie ever made. It's just insanity. The one of the main characters is a semi truck with the Green Goblin face on the front of it. And like you just see the Green Goblin the entire movie and there's no way they cleared that with Marvel in order to to have that happen so and and you see like coke placements and stuff in that movie there's some great scenes in it but you see it a lot in the 80s and then i think during this time people were like all right you see stuff like mickey mouse and mickey mouse would not want to be associated with with a slasher movie like this right so you start seeing them push back on stuff like that later in the 80s mm. it is it is funny to see that though you'll Just see that in things a lot you know when you're watching these movies yeah, yep. it was, wasn't as big a deal back then, and uh, you'll definitely pick up on it in movies in the 70s and 80s. But um, let's talk about the final girl, Ginny, who I think, for all my gripes from the first movie, I think they established, again, they have an hour and 20 to establish this ensemble cast, Ginny as your final girl, and it they don't, hammer you with it but they do a great job establishing her as very likable very smart very strong but still a regular person and you see that in different aspects throughout the movie so you know she's smart she beats um her boyfriend in chess like they establish that they show her do other things where she's you know a strong female lead and she doesn't do anything stupid but also one scene that really jumped out at me to show that she's still just a regular person is when she's hiding from jason i actually you know this this is such a real reaction when she's under when she peed her pants we all pee our pants (laughs) i just did right but when you're running from somebody like this you're enduring this trauma you're underneath this bed like this is a reaction people are gonna have they're just they're gonna piss themselves however let's talk logistics for a second she's laying underneath the bed she pees herself but the the urine trickles out from the bottom of her pants near her shoe out i don't think it makes sense was she wearing pants she was wearing pants well she wasn't wearing shorts i don't think so either way i would got slashed open with a knife 
pants did get slashed open with a knife. That was a big thing. She had a big uh I don't think that had happened yet. It hadn't even, happened yet, but I'm just so, saying that that's is that gonna she was in the, fact she no the Jesse, trajectory of the urine. No, you're missing the point. I'm saying she was wearing pants. You notice this when oh, the pants get slashed open with the knife. She's right, yeah. right. I thought you were saying maybe that opened up a new flow pattern for the urine. <laughs> no, that's not which what I would it's not where I was going with this. <laughs> where I was going with this is it's just something you don't see, like where she's so scared she's peeing herself. She's still <laughs> a regular person. Um, also, as the scene continued, I didn't notice any pee stains, but I wasn't looking for them. <laughs> you don't even know if she was wearing pants or shorts, so no, you you didn't know. I said she was wearing pants. I verified that she was, in fact, wearing pants. All right. Fair enough. Fair (laughs) enough. All right. If you're wondering what I'm going to do after this, I'm going to lay down under (laughs) my bed and pee my pants. You really get to the bottom of this. Just for (laughs) I'll document the whole thing. Patreon exclusive (laughs) content. Jesse pees Uh, pants under the bed. All right. Rob, there's a good point, and it, it goes to show that you can have a strong lead character still be very afraid in a very real situation that would terrify mm-hmm. any normal person and still come out being a very strong lead character. Yeah, she's still vulnerable and it helps you root for her. You are rooting for Ginny throughout the scene where she's getting chased around. Exactly. You, you chose you to make her vulnerable and have her do this instead of having her like kick down the door where Jason lives and fight him with a bow and arrow like it's Black Christmas or something. Like they right. didn't have to go that route and she was still awesome in this movie. Yeah, and it was still more, more believable. Great characters. And and again, I just thought the ensemble cast was really well done. I liked the story. I like the uh, stuff with the cop. I, I love the hut. Like the little makeshift shift shack that they do. Yeah, where he keeps his mother's head like mm. such a great touch that comes back. It's super creepy. Yep. Um, and I like that they previewed it. So you had it where the, the cop was chasing Jason through the woods. It was actually kind of a good jump scare when you saw him jump like into a bush, which again, there's so many of these scenes that if somebody else shot it, it could have been really silly. Mm-hmm. Right. You just like the killer just leaping like a bunny rabbit into a bush. Like, <laughs> how do you not film that and make it absolutely hilarious? And I think the musical score helped. And just the way that they shot this was was genius because they still made it scary. Mm-hmm. And uh, then you had him chasing through. So the, the police officer ends up inside Jason's little uh, homeless shack or whatever. I mean, he has a home, so he's not homeless in, in his little shack. And he's kind of making his way through searching for him. And he stumbles upon this altar and they do a good job of not completely showing what he sees in that moment. In fact, I don't think they showed at all what he saw. And all you see was just the, the the feet come up behind him and then he gets killed there. Another good kill scene. But uh, it was a shocking scene. All right. Before we start getting into some more serious stuff and hitting our reviews, there's there's two things I want to hit on in the bar scene when they're at the actual like place where there's music playing. First one, I don't know if you noticed this, but while, while they're panning around and showing all the white people dancing it is the epitome of white people oh, dancing. It, was, it was awful the other thing it, was why why were there cowboys point number two they're the, santa claus the, the couple has already left right and the redheaded counselor is there at the bar by himself and he's like he's sitting there and he turns to like the 75 year old man and he goes is there any after after hours clubs around here? And the old man goes, "Yep." 
And then he just ends the conversation. He doesn't ask him where, he doesn't ask him how to get there, nothing. It's just done. That, like, he gave like a sarcastic reaction. He's like, oh, yeah, there's friends. Like, yeah. wait, this man just verified what you were looking for. Like this man has the answers for you. Why, why are you shitting on this poor guy? Hey, why and did why you ask this... a 70 year old man this to begin with? And then why and did you why, finish the conversation? And why does the 75 year old know about the after hours? Yeah, spots? I have so many questions. I want to see that movie. Like, yeah, what bro, is you this want... Yeah, and I got some Molly too. We'll go to the after hours club. <laughs> I just... know the DJ. <laughs> it was so wild. It was just like, I was just watching the scene and just like caught me by surprise. I've seen this movie like 20 times and I just, I guess I've never paid attention to the scene. I'm just watching, I'm just like, why is this scene here? Like, it doesn't make any sense. You don't see him go anywhere. Like okay. it, the reason uh, that they did this now, they did it wrong because they, he should have been asking like another group of young folks for him mm. to ask an old guy. This just made it absolutely ridiculous. But the reason that they did this was to explain why he never right. came back to the um, to the camp. Yeah. Why the rest of them never showed up. Which yeah, no, like, it, it makes sense. Yeah, they did a good job in this movie of not making it the first movie again, which it almost was. But they didn't set it in Camp Crystal Lake. They set it right next to Camp Crystal Lake. They didn't have the entire, um, all the counselors all get wiped out. They left some of them alive, right? Where some of them just didn't come back, like this redhead kid that we're talking about. So I think this was one of the little things that they did to make this movie different, which I think that made this movie, I want to say it's better than the first one. I'm a little on the fence because I really like the the twist and the story development in the first one, but I think overall, I think this movie was actually a better movie in my opinion. Yeah, well, we'll get into that reviews. Do you guys have anything else to touch on? I just have a few. I thought that things. whole bar where they all just went to the bar and then half of them just didn't come back to the storyline was just like they're just gone out of the plot. I thought it was stupid and sloppy. It was like where? Why were they? So I guess I guess maybe if they were like we got to make it different means not everyone gets killed, but they don't get killed because they leave. It's like that's pointless to me. Like what, what, how does that doesn't really change anything? Because everyone who was at the camp still got killed off, so that is the same. So now you just have like a, this 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 redirect. Like oh, half of us are going to go here and then just go away for no for no reason. And it was just, well, I think it, it just weird. showed how how fast this could happen. So every how fast it de- mm-hmm. it deteriorated where the ones who stayed behind from the bar got killed. Then the ones who did make the mistake of coming back got killed as well. And it's just like, it, it all just happened in one night. So I, I, I liked the way the world it's got more Otherwise genuine. it's the same movie, right? It feels more genuine because like how many times do you go out with a giant group and then it's like some people go off to do this, some people stay out. Like that's what felt genuine about it. It's not like, Hey, we're all leaving right now. Let's all go at the bar at the same time. Let's all leave at the same time. I mean, unless you're going on like a party bus, which is a whole nother nightmare, whole nother horror movie. Um, Would not recommend. Yeah. People are leaving and going places at different times. It was just a random plot point that led to nothing. You know what I mean? It's like, here's something, here's a branch off. This is something, they're doing something different. They're going out here and it just led to nothing. I was fine with it because while some of them did come back and get killed, it left question marks when the chaos was happening at the end. Like you're thinking, will somebody from the bar come back and save the day? They never mm-hmm. did. But it left more possibilities rather than, okay, we could, we could draw this line between the first movie and the second movie. And I was a little sad that they went back to this in the second movie. But in the first movie, we didn't talk about this. This is actually one of my negatives, was the same scene kept happening over and over again at the end of the movie where Mrs. Voorhees showed up and Alice would just kind of win the fight 
and push her into a pile of garbage or like onto a mattress and then close the door behind her and scamper away. And then they'd have the same fight again and the same thing would happen away. And she just didn't learn a lesson like just finish her off. She's trying to kill you. It's okay. You can kill her. Mm -hmm. I get it. Maybe she isn't a killer. I get it. Maybe they wanted to draw that out, but it was just um, after like the fifth time, she finally picked up the machete and chopped off her head. And you kind of got the same thing in this next movie where it was actually really well done where they'd have the fight, she'd run away. They'd have the fight, she'd run away to a different cabin and everything. It was it was kind of well done. But those were some similarities in the second one. Obviously, in the second one, you had two people instead of one person that were fighting off Jason. And it had some authentic scenes. Like one of the fight scenes between um, the guy, what was his name? Um, Paul? I think it was Paul. That, that was... Uh, the main character's boyfriend. Yeah, right? uh, Ginny's uh, boyfriend, right? Yeah. So you had Paul who got in a fight with him and Ginny just kind of stood back and just kind of watch the fight develop and then you get the jump scare of Jason popping up with his bag on his head and like oh shit he won the fight it was uh it was well done it was well done yeah. but it was a little different because you're dealing with two people instead of one person in these fight scenarios two v1s instead of one v1s you know I, I didn't like the end of this one I thought it was too similar to the first one and not different enough and it, almost like they were trying to do similar things and you had a very similar ending where he instead of jumping onto the boat he jumps through the window and grabs her and it was it, it left you hanging on what happened to the boyfriend and it didn't answer that and then she's just being loaded into the the thing and it didn't answer that and it was i thought it was convoluted and then it just pans back to the mother's head on the altar which was a lot as a creepy like end but it was like it didn't fit together yeah. like it's like the, the first one fit together so good Wow, with the plot and the way it ended and the twist and everything just like this it just fit together great and this was just chaos i feel like it was intentional chaos but not well executed at all in my opinion i thought no the i don't was not great it's i don't know what happened at the end at the end of the first movie it was fine because it was like was it a dream was it not a dream was there really a boy in the pond was there not really a boy in the pond and this one it's like okay he jumped through the window we got a little too much face going on there obviously is the first time they showed it but it should have been something quick instead they used their weird slow motion again and you got like a whole bunch of rubber mask face that mm -hmm. was not great but again like like you said like, like, we're like so what the hell happened in the last scene he grabs yeah. her through the window i guess maybe the boyfriend tried to save her and he got killed but then why would why did he why did jason stop why is yeah. she alive at the end getting loaded into an ambulance it just, it just left weird. too many uh, um, open ends that just didn't it was this. also brutally obvious what was about to happen because they started playing the happy music like they did in the first movie again and then you're like alright he's gonna jump through the window they just showed the window too much sorry Rob what were you gonna say so this was one of my problems with the movie too where she gets grabbed and it's almost like they had this whole scene that they just didn't have the money to film or something that they could have done what happened to her and this would have been a great point to bring back the people from the bar where they're outside the ambulance they're like what the hell happened type of deal like we weren't here this would have been a great point for that to occur um so yeah i think i think it lacked i it's not like the worst ending i've seen in a slasher but there's definitely ways to clean this up and make this ending a bit better um i want to just hit on we talked about how good a lot of the kills were on this there is a slow motion knife kill that was really really bad like not a good scene at all it's like it goes back to the pov thing and she's like against the wall and it's almost yeah. like a comedy because she's like ah, 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 
yeah, like yeah. just doing all these different poses while it takes yeah. them five minutes to get to her to stab her. It's yeah. like, run, do anything. Like, this is stupid. Um, no, you're absolutely right. That was a bad one. That was pretty bad. And I love the callback of Ralph. We kind of hit on it a little bit earlier. But when she opens the pantry and like in the first movie, he's alive. He's just in the pantry for some reason. And he's like, it's got a death curse. And then, you know, he's doing crazy Ralph things out the house. And then she opens the pantry in this movie and his dead body falls out of the pantry. Yeah, that was great. For a jump scare. And that was a great callback to the first movie. I love Absolutely how they did awesome. that. Yeah. And the other thing that they did that was really good, and I mentioned it earlier, was that they killed off Alice right away. They also mm-hmm. pretty much killed off Crazy Ralph right away. Where if we got a whole lot of Crazy Ralph this movie, where he's still riding his little bike around, just warning <laughs> everyone, just making these cryptic uh, yeah. predictions and stuff like that, then we probably would have been sad about it. But at least they just like immediately like, no more Ralph. You're like, okay. Yeah. The entire plot line, uh, or the entire surviving cast from the first movie is now dead, including Mrs. Voorhees. Yep. That's fine. Now we can just move on to a brand new story. Right. So, yeah. yeah. I, again, now that we bring up the ending and how kind of weird the ending was, I think I go back to me liking the first movie a little bit more. But I, I liked a lot of things about this one better than the first mm-hmm. movie. But I think overall, just because the way the first one wrapped up, probably a little higher on the first one. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Oh, well, let's see right now. What lock, and change for? lock and change between now and then. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you want me to give Dave the first call on this one so that you can you can process this new new revelation? Yes. All right, Dave, aren't you? It's a 4-4 for me. I I really did like the movie. It was the first Jason movie. Um, What what does the Confused look for? Because I'm lower than you, and it feels like I liked it more than you did. Um, Well, I liked them both very much, uh, as far as the slashers go. And this movie was very similar to the first one in a lot of ways. And there were a lot of things that were better about it. There was better character development. I did like the the cast a lot better. Uh, I, li- I liked a lot of the kill scenes. The kill scenes are a wash. They're both good. In, they're good in both, I think. And uh, but I thought the plot of the first movie was better, and the ending tied it all together a lot better. And it was just a better movie as a whole because of those things. Uh, I'm giving it a four-one on this one because I like the cast better. I like a lot of the kills better. I do like Jason in this movie. I think that the story is overall better. The ending's weaker. But I like Ginny as a final girl a lot more, and it makes a big difference for me in this movie. So with some of the kills, with the character development a little bit better, um, the Ralph callback is great. Just some of the little details, like the the peeing the pants thing. Like It sounds gross, but I just feel like that's like something that people would do in real life, and it's just like a good little touch. Nobody, uh, nobody ankle pees in real life. You don't know that. It was as if they were like, oh, if she were, you know, if somebody was standing up, that's she was what standing. Happened. That's what happened. Yeah, yeah, an old house built on an angle. Who knows? <laughs> Ninety <laughs> degree angle. <laughs> so it's a four. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a forty five degree angle for my review. Like that's what I get. No, four point one. Four point one, slightly lower than the last movie, which you gave a four point six. For me, it is a four point five. Um, again, I, I, I think I like the first one a little bit better just cause the, the ending was stronger. I like the twist in the first one. There was no real twist in this one. The ending was predictable and then weird. So a little bit lower, but still an, an absolute great movie, a great sequel, great cast. You guys are right about that. Again, the music knocked it out of the park. I think they could have copied and pasted the music from the first one, but that's fine. 
again, you have a theme here, so you can continue to use it. But overall, a couple of, couple of phenomenal movies. I love it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're they're good, and they, they know what they are, and they keep to their time frame, right? They're under an hour and a half for both movies. Perfect amount of time. You can get everything you need to in there. Um, even though we don't think some of the stuff they could have improved, it's not like I think they needed to add time. I think they could have just altered a few things here and there. So I'm a little lower than you two guys on this Friday the 13th. I'm a big Friday the 13th fan as a whole, but it's not my favorite slasher or 80s franchise. Um, but I do enjoy rewatching them frequently. I watch them quite a bit. I find two a little more rewatchable than one, but I, it doesn't mean that I don't find one rewatchable, right? So that's going to do it for our Friday the 13th parts one and two review. You will see us reviewing parts three and four in October. So a little bit of ways away, but you get a chance to watch those ones if you want in the coming months and maybe get through the whole franchise. And every Friday the 13th for the next, I don't know, 60 years, we will cover two Friday the 13th movies wow. to... Uh, in 60 years, I'll be 81 years old. That's true. You will be. You'll be you about as old as some of these counselors in, in these movies. You know what's upsetting is when I went to IMDb, I was like, oh, yeah, I could talk about these. But a lot of them, they have current pictures of them. And I'm like, I have no idea which character that was. <laughs> but do you, think 100, do you think 120 uh, movie reviews is enough to cover all of the Friday the 13th movies in this franchise? Well, we can get to the Friday the 13th TV series as well. The one that came out in like the late 80s, early 90s. Hmm. That I think was sort of they did this weird thing where they did it with um, Nightmare on Elm Street as well. They did a Nightmare on Elm Street series and it has nothing to do with the movie franchises. Okay. It's just like, it's like anthology shows. We completely fucked you up, Rob. You were in the flow of ending the show and now you're not. Go back yeah. to ending the show. Yeah, so Friday the 13th, every week, every year we'll be covering Friday the 13th movies on Friday the 13th. Original concept. No one else has done it. Only us here at Hometown Ghost Stories. We will catch you next time. Peace.